What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kit Swanson, the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, and we are transitioning into off-season mode now. So it'll be free agency. It'll be coaching staff changes. It'll be the draft. Uh, of course, it'll be the draft. Matthew Lane's on this. Uh, You're welcome. Real quick, guys. We're, uh, Craig, Craig and Matt are on here already. Um, so I, I was reading the rundown, and I totally forgot, like, why aren't we leading with Mike Smith's exit? And we can, it's, it's, the, it's the first question in the mailbag, but, and, and we'll get there in a minute, but like this week's been so crazy that like we haven't talked since Mike Smith happened. If I had editing power, no, we haven't I would at all. you know this already. I would have fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, to take, we had to take Matt's ability to edit the Google Docs away from him because he just puts pictures of Breland Speaks and crocodiles in the middle of questions. And, like, it's thrown me off so many times. I'm kind of Ron Burgundy. So, like, if I, I will read what is in this thing. And it, that's why I have no problem saying Kenny with the Coke because I just read it because it's there. So, you know, whatever. You heard it, everyone. You put it, make your questions phrased in a way that Kent's gonna look dumb because he'll read <laughs> Please. It. it's really not hard to make me look it's really not hard to make me look dumb though uh, okay fellas I wanted to I wanted to go here because like Steve Spagnolo, he's hired we had a podcast one of my favorite podcasts that we've done doing it from the car that was a fun experience twice, twice. I really Two and enjoyed a half it. Times. it's probably some of my favorite eps <laughs> what so we had to re-record. Oh, yeah that's right because we that's right. We had to re-record because Spagnolo got hired. Uh, I wanted to talk about five prospects or five free agents. Sorry, that might make sense for the Chiefs here with Steve Spagnolo. Um, we're, I'll just I'll hit it off. I, I we have like five here. I'm gonna lead it off with this guy. So Brandon Graham's about to be 31 years old. He's coming off a four sack season. Even though he had a really high pressure rate, he was he was still very disruptive. Had a lot of hurries. Brandon Graham 30 is about to be 31 years old but as far as as pass rush juice he's still got it and he's going to be a really fascinating guy to kind of observe here in free agency because because he's old er because you know what kind of team is going to you know pony up a big price tag on him I don't know and so Brandon Brandon Graham could be a guy that you know if the if the price is right he would be a really nice like sub package rusher uh, that the Chiefs might be able to get in a situation like that. I, I think that would be a guy that I'd be kind of interested to see. You know, if the price goes down, you know, I'm throwing him into the mix here. How much would you pay for him? So I, I was thinking about that, and like I don't, I don't know. Like some people are saying he's going to make like some of the projections out there on SpotRack are like fifteen million dollars, and Ooh. I'm just like, that's insane. But like you know, if Alan Bailey made what eight million dollars last year, like somewhere in that range, like if you got him on like a one-year eight million dollar deal, like I think he would, I think he would pay for himself with disruption, even if he's not on the field for you know a full-time role. So like something like that, man, I would think about like something around that. range. Do you think Philly wouldn't match that though? Like, do you think you could pull him away from that same deal in Philly? With the same amount of money. That, that's a big question. That, that's a fair question. Like, I think that's kind of around where things start getting a little bit more competitive. But at the same time, the Eagles are kind of up against the cap right now. Now they can alleviate themselves a little bit here with, like, Nick Foles. And there's a couple other moves they could make. But 
Uh, I, it's definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye on. Maddie, I think you had someone. Yeah, so I got Adrian Amos. Safety, he's coming out from the Bears, so he's going to be working on his second contract now, so he's still plenty young. He's kind of in his prime. My big thing with Amos is he's just an all-around kind of jack-of-all-trades safety, but when you hear that phrase, jack-of-all-trades, a lot of times with football players, you kind of think, okay, they can do everything, but they're not good at it. Kind of like a Daniel Sorensen, I think, fits into that mold. That'll kind of hit home for Chiefs fans. That's not Amos. He's a good player. He's actually very good at anything you ask him to do. <laughs> it's just he's not specialized. He's not elite or even probably not great at either at any particular role. But in what we're assuming Spag's defense is going to be, where there's kind of a very distinguished strong and free safety, he fits better as a free safety. He's got man coverage skills. He can take a slot receiver in man coverage from time to time. He can play deep. He does a fantastic job of staying on top of stuff deep and then being able to attack it ahead of him. He doesn't play the ball the greatest over his head, but again, you're only having a couple man coverage snaps per game pretty much with him. So he fits that rule great. Every now and then when he has to drop into the box, he's a big hitter. He's not afraid to throw a shoulder. I don't want him filling interior gaps all game long. He's not that big of a guy, but every now and then you can get away with it. So I think he's kind of that second tier of safeties you're looking at. You know, we're going to talk some more safeties, I'm sure, all offseason here in terms of free agency. Well, and with the team no. and the draft and safety this, safety that. <laughs> but he's kind of a second tier guy. So I, especially with the way the safety market is, I think that you're going to have to pay to get him, but I don't think you're going to have to break the bank. So if you miss out on those top tier guys or you don't want to draft somebody in the first round, I think he's a very good, not even consolation prize, just a good way to save money and still get a very good player. I'll, uh, I'll throw a cornerback into the mix here, and then we're going to have a, a Thunderdome death match over the last two guys, and I can't wait <laughs> I to watch that. I already said I'm Tom Hardy. Craig has to be Mel Gibson. It's what it is. <laughs> I'm here for it. But first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Bradley Roby's name out. Uh, I, we and Matt and Craig were kind of going through this list, and um, Roby was a guy both me and, and Matty kind of wanted to throw out there. Um, I, I agree with Matt on this obviously i he's a guy that he's not going to get top tier cornerback money he's a solid number two type corner he's not going to be you know your 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 number one corner but he's i liked him coming out a lot i think he's a good athlete um i know maddie you said that you think he can play in a variety of techniques yeah and that's the big thing with roby is i don't think he's a number one corner like you said but you can ask him to play press a little bit you can ask him to play kind of a pattern match or a mere technique coming off the line catch man whatever you want you can put him in any system he's going to be solid he's not going to turn heads he's not going to shut down number one wide receivers but when you're not paying, you know, 14, 15 mil for a guy, that's kind of what you're going to get. And you're completely okay with that if you get Roby. Very quality player. He's got deep speed to run with anybody. He's got enough size that you can keep him on the outside. So he just, he's a very good, again, kind of second tier player that's coming in the free agency this year. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I, I think he is like a second tier kind of corner. And like, it's not, I don't think he's going to break the bank. I don't think he's going to be a guy that just really affects your, your cap situation. But he's the kind of player I think the Chiefs should be trying to identify here, you know, in this free agency period. He would fit just fine here in Kansas City. Um, and I, I honestly, I think the, the move for them is going to be they're going to have to draft a corner and they're going to have to sign a corner to go with. Travarius Ward and, and Kendall Fuller and, and Tremont Smith. I don't think you're getting too much out of those guys. Okay, Thunderdome time. We've got 
to pretty high ticket, I relatively high ticket uh, free agents here that I I know both Craig and Maddie have really strong takes on. It is time for the Anthony Barr versus Landon Collins Thundergum go. Uh, Craig, let's 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 kick this thing off with uh, with uh, with Anthony Barr. I know it's a guy you're a fan of. I said last week that I thought that Anthony Barr would be the perfect Sam in a Spagnolo scheme. We actually brought him up. He's one of the very first guys when we were looking at the four three under and where guys fit and sitting in the hotel room on the rainout day at the Senior Bowl. We actually brought up so Anthony romantic. Barr. It, it really was, you know, sitting around scheming football, talking about Anthony Barr. You're one to speak, yeah. taking a nap with your buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was out. I was so tired. He He's in Minnesota right now. He is going to be a free agent. They are not going to pay him. They have $6 million in cap space right now for 2019. They need to add several pieces. They're going to have to make some hard decisions there. Anthony Barr has basically already come out and said that he's not going to be able to probably get back there. So he's a guy that coming out of college, coming out of UCLA, he was an edge player. He had 22 and a half sacks basically in two years, switching from offense to defense, learning how to play edge. 22 and a half sacks off the edge, came to Minnesota just this athletic, very versatile, very rangy player, and they moved him to off-ball linebackers. He's been a second-level guy almost the entire time that he's been in the NFL. So that means he's got to stack and shed. He's got to play run gaps. He's got to run in coverage. That's basically what this Sam linebacker position is. It's a guy who can do a little bit of everything, a good rusher, good in coverage, good against the run. Anthony Barr can be that guy. Now, he's going to be pricey because there are going to be edge rushers that are going to get paid this offseason. There aren't a ton of them that are getting free. So he's probably a guy that's going to be around the 10 to $13 million range, depending on if a team is playing him at off-ball or playing him as an edge. I think the Chiefs could bring him in. I think he helps solidify that spot. I think that's money well spent, even though Steve Spagnuolo doesn't typically pay guys like that. But he's a thing that can make that entire front tick and make it make a good run defense, good pass rush. It's exactly what this defense needs to take it over the top. All right, so I was debating my strategy for this Thunderdome winner-take-all, one-man-leaves-alive session here. And I decided that we're just going to go aggressive like the Spagnuolo defense is going to be. So, Craig, <laughs> can you tell me how many times Devin Gennard, the starting Sam linebacker for the Giants, when, he was the, when Spagnuolo was there, played over two-thirds of the snaps? You know, uh, Devin Kennard is not the same player that Anthony Barr is. So That sounds like uh, uh, two, roughly two times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in those two times, this is our Sam linebacker here, this guy that we're wanting to pay double-digit millions of dollars to to play two-thirds of the snap, two games. I think it actually was three games over the two years that they really had that defense going. Okay, Barr's a better player than Kennard. I'll give you that. So here's the next question. And this isn't even – this is rhetorical. We don't need any input right now. This is my time. So, so here it is. It comes nickel package. We're bringing somebody off the field. You're either going to have to take Barr off, you're paying $12, $14 million to, 
to take Anthony Hitchens off, who you're paying $9 million to. You're going to take O'Daniel off, like your best coverage linebacker, so to speak, or at least you're hoping for at this point in time. Okay, maybe he's cheap, but you want to keep your fastest linebacker out there. Or you're going to take off another pass rusher. Are we sure Barr's ready to kick down, put his hand in the dirt, and be a defensive end? The last time he did that was what? Against Pac-12 offensive linemen when they still all ran the Chip Kelly offense? <laughs> I, I don't know about this one. Not for real, though, I think Anthony Barr would be a great signing, guys. I'm not trying to say but he's Breland a speaks, though. But Breland speaks, though. But Breland speaks, though. I, I was, dang it. I was going to try to be the like arbitrator here or the judge or something. I was going to drop some Breland speaks shade, but you kind of beat me to it. Would you, yeah. Maddie, would you rather have Breland speaks or Anthony Barr rushing the passer? Go. Well, okay, no. So here's my thing. If I'm going purely off the ability to rush the passer, why am I going to pay Anthony Barr pretty much the same amount as – Justin Houston or D Ford who are already here. I mean, I get it. They're only here for a short period of time, but do we think Barr's a better pass rusher than either one of them? No, but he's better in coverage. He and, is, but and, is he, yeah. how much are we, how much is he going to be? I guess my thing is how much is he going to be in coverage? Like he's a fantastic kind of right. like Swiss army knife. And again, in a good way, not a, not a poor man's, you know, he's okay. Right. At stuff. He's very good at all of it, but he's kind of to cover everything rather than for a specific fix. And I'm just not sure that they're going to use the Sam that way. If they do, he's a great idea. If that, the plan is to keep the Sam out there and to drop his hand into the dirt, rush the passer, be a kind of every down player, then that changes the philosophy of what I think I'm looking at here. But as of right now, it just doesn't seem like their Sam is a player that's going to play that often. He would rather keep defensive ends out there and then mix and match his NASCAR packages. And again, Barr may fit perfectly there, just looking at his pass. So looking at Spagnuolo's past. We're going with Landon Collins. I think this is a popular pick for everybody, but he's some fun stuff. In 2016, <laughs> in 2016, Landon Collins by PFF was graded at 92.5 overall grade. That's the sixth highest all-time for a safety since they've been grading the NFL. This is his second year, his second year in the NFL, second year with Spagnuolo. He started playing in the box more. They, this rookie year, he was playing deep over 50% of the time. That dropped down to about 33% of the time in his second year. He's playing in the box. He has the most run stops in the NFL that year for a safety. He has the most tackles for a loss in the NFL for a safety those years. He's a complete force playing in the box. And, oh, yeah, his coverage grade got even better when he was asked to play man coverage on tight ends or he was asked to play these kind of shallow hook zones. What's something that's killed the Chiefs these last couple of years? New defensive system, so it changes. We haven't been able to stop tight ends. We've been getting killed over the middle of the field and gash in the run game. Landon Collins actively fixes every single one of those problems, and he does it at a position that we've been super weak at because we just simply don't know if Eric Berry's going to be able to play, if his spirit's going to be up for it, or if his heel's going to be okay with it. So you get Landon Collins, you allow Spagnuolo to do anything he wants to with his defense. You can play any coverage, you can rotate guys in and out. That was a huge part of why they were so multiple with the Giants is they could have Collins go deep, man coverage, come up in the box. We're going to let Craig tear apart my argument now. I did the same to him, so I'll be quiet. Let him do his thing now. But I think this is the answer. Landon Collins. Okay. Okay. You ready for my rebuttal? This will be good. I love Landon Collins, and we need to sign him right now. (laughs) We also need to sign Anthony Barr. Both of these guys need to be joining the Chiefs defense. No, Landon Collins needs to be on this team. Spags' defense is predicated on having a good box safety. If Eric Berry isn't healthy, they need a good box safety. Landon Collins just makes all the sense in the world. I, I need him on this team. Anthony Barr is a luxury pick, but I also need him on this team too.
For, so for me, did, for me, so I, just, I can cover the defense and be happy, guys. Don't you want me to be happy? <laughs> Not really. I want you to be happy. Oh, Mad, cr- Mad Crane is oh. kind of fun. <laughs> I I paid a hundred dollars on the for the pay per view of this. This was so disappointing. Mm. Like this was just come on, guys. Like no, Landon Collins is the answer. What what, what what do you have against this? This was a fantastic fight. This went exactly how it was supposed to go. <laughs> What Landon Collins wins? Yeah, coming from the winner. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I think it was an unfair fight from the get go, though, because Craig kind of got the the position that's less defined. He got a player that hasn't been with Spagnuolo before, and quite simply, we're all tired of listening to the safety saga in Kansas City right now. Nobody's going to vote against bringing in Landon Collins, who was literally elite with the same exact coach before. It makes too much sense now. I will make an actual video of me pouring one out as soon as the Giants put the tag on him because that's just the way being a Chiefs fan works. But until yep. then, I'm going to be begging my chest for Landon Collins to the Chiefs. If he okay. hits the market, he's the best player to hit the free agent market this year. In position, wow. anything. He's the best player to hit the market this year. Wow. That's uh, that's that's a quite the take there. Craig if you Green. play him in the uh, right spot, I agree. As, as long no, as you're not he, asking he, to play he, deep. You're right. right. You're not wrong. All right, let's jump to the mailbag here. We got a lot of questions to cover, um, and we will cover them right now with Ask Goose. This asking, curious why a Mike Smith would jump so quickly with this defensive coordinator change, and do you think we'll see any other changes to the defensive staff? Well, we already saw one today. So oh, Yeah, they were my yeah, jokes. That's true. Yeah, my, uh, Mark DeLeon is gone as an inside linebackers coach. I don't think that he's the last one either. I do think that we're going to see a little more shakeup. I'm not sure that Emmett Thomas is going to be with this team, whether that be just him retiring or just being done. I don't know. I ex- assume that Al Harris will be with this team as well. Uh, Britt Reed could probably do with a move of some sort for my sake. So we, we'll see kind of how this defensive coaching staff shapes up. But Mike Smith is the one guy that we all kind of wanted to be here. And, you know, we, we pounded the table a little bit for him to be the defensive coordinator. So him not getting that defensive coordinator job and then promptly getting fired just kind of says that they want their own staff they want all new which is why i think that Britt reed might get moved because it it does seem that maybe that defensive coaching staff is going to be gutted a little bit otherwise why would you move on from the guy who transformed your you know your uh players your pass rush he coached defensive line before this isn't a big deal it's not like he was just three four outside linebackers that's the only thing he's ever done he was defensive line he could coach this defensive line so if he's gone that should mean that everybody on that coaching staff is gone yeah I don't disagree I think a big thing is you can't keep somebody that Spagnola doesn't want to be keep around so if you've already started making moves like this now maybe these guys did leave on their own there's been kind of some iffy reports out there about Mike Smith being fired or and then that got redacted, so that's no longer out there in the article. So you don't know if that was true, if somebody was just kind of piecing something together. Same thing, we still don't know with De Leon now. 
So we don't know how these guys are leaving, but my thought process always, especially in the Chiefs situation where you're kind of giving so much control to the defensive coordinator, you've got to let him bring in his guys. If he wants to keep someone around after talking to him and meeting with them, that's absolutely fine. But if he's got an idea for who he wants or a vision, just you have to let him do his thing. So I say you just gut the entire defensive staff. Anybody that he wants to bring back, you bring back. I don't know if anybody should keep their head positional coach job. Like if you want to bring back a Britt Reed as an assistant D-line coach or back to the quality control coach as some kind of just different mm-hmm. role with the team, that's absolutely fine. I don't know if you can keep anybody at the position coach that they are right now with the staff turnover. It just doesn't make sense to kind of handcuff somebody like that because then it's just a built-in excuse going forward. I kind of hidden, Correct. hidden story, I guess, with the Mike Smith thing too. He's good friends with Mike Patton. Like, he might have just wanted to coach with a friend of his. Like, he has a good relationship with him. He's definitely part of this Bob Sutton tree. Maybe he had a very good relationship with Bob Sutton, too. But stuff coming out of Green Bay says that the two are very good friends. He very much just might want to coach with a friend of his. As soon as he found out that he wasn't getting a promotion here for whatever reason, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go coach with one of my good friends who happens to need my assistance right now. So it could be something as little as that. Thanks for stealing my take. That's You're okay. I was going to go the Petten route. Uh, at <laughs> Rob Williams, nineteen seventy-one. Who is coming back? Well, you have editing power. That's true. Who uh, Rob Williams, seventy-one? Who is coming back, and who might be coming back based on the play and reality of the salary cap? So, I, I tried to isolate this. Let's not talk about Justin Houston, D. Ford, and Eric Berry. We've talked about them a lot. Let's kind of take those those third, you know, that second tier of, of guys that you know might have some questions about whether or not they're back. I'm going to ask each one of you guys this question about each of these. So we'll start with Matt. Is Alan Bailey back next year? You know, and my initial thought is just immediately no for this because of what his salary has been, the fact that he's a part-time player that doesn't have a great like addition to the pass rush. But then I'm thinking about it. I don't know what his value is in the NFL. He's clearly not going to get the same level of contract he just got. That was given to him by a GM that liked him, that saw him develop, and then we've since seen him kind of stall out in his progression. So he's not really going to get any better than he is right now. He is what he is. So if you can pay Alan Bailey to be a one and a half kind of down effort rusher that pushes the pocket, can play out on the edge versus the run pretty well, I could see a use for him coming back in a rotation on the defensive line, especially a defensive line that's going to rotate pretty heavily between tackles and DNs. But if you're talking anywhere close to the money, you just get anywhere in that seven to nine million range. If you're getting close to that, there's no way they're going to bring him back for what he offers, in my opinion. Yeah, hard pass on that if, if it was near that figure. Okay, Craig, talk to me about Reggie Ragland. Is he back next year? Oh, my goodness. This, this pains me. He is my son. I love Reggie Ragland, and he is the Chiefs' best coverage linebacker in the last <laughs> quarter of the year. But Pick no. machine. Pick machine. Especially in the red zone. Nah, it, it it's time for Reggie to go. Uh, Reggie does not fit in this scheme very well, uh, especially using a, a Sam that kind of plays a little closer to the line of scrimmage and needs to offer a little bit of rush capability. It, it, Reggie's just not that guy. I mean, he's already been ousted from one, four, three that he arguably fit better than this one. So I, I don't see him sticking around this year. I know the Chiefs are finally getting having to pay the draft pick this season. 
or in this upcoming draft for Reggie Ragland, but he just seems like a man without a home. And even though it's a fourth round draft pick and he's not that expensive, he doesn't really play special teams. I don't think he really is going to offer anything this year. So I think they're going to want that roster spot back. So I'm pouring one out for Reggie. That special teams little nugget there was really important too. I mean, you can't have backup linebackers that can't play special teams. I mean, that's that's linebackers. Linebackers. Right. I mean, yeah, right, yeah. right. Did I did I say did I say linebackers? No, you did. You did. I'm just emphasizing it. You can have uh, backups at uh, some uh, other positions that don't play gotcha. special teams, but linebacker especially that's your bread and butter at special teams. You can't have linebackers that can't play special teams. Right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer the question about Steven Nelson. Uh, I do not think Steven Nelson is back this year. Steven Nelson wants to get paid. And if you have followed him on Twitter or if you've been on Twitter <laughs> at all, you know that Steven Nelson wants to get paid. And I'm kind of over him anyway. I think, you know, watching, you know, I, 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 he can't, he doesn't turn locate the ball ever. So your ball production is going to always be limited with him. He's out here to try to get as much money as he can, and more power to him. Good for you. Uh, have fun, and hopefully you are somewhere significant on the compensatory pick formula. Moving on, at <laughs> Low Lip McGee, one asks: We can all pretty much agree that Brett Veach pretty much botched this last draft. His first as a general manager. If he doesn't nail this 2019 draft, could he be on the hot seat going forward? So, yeah, I think this draft is critical for Brett Feach for a lot of reasons. Uh, Obviously, you know, the Chiefs had major issues on the defensive side of the ball this year. And they invested a lot of their draft capital last year. Pretty much all of their draft capital last year on the defensive side of the football. I do kind of give him a little bit of a mulligan because they didn't have a first-round pick. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, Breland Speaks can have a little success here in this 4-3 under. Maybe. I, that's another, that's a conversation for another day. But, um, yeah, this, this draft is critical for him. And this is critical for this team. They need to get some talent that can start. They probably need to get two or three starters from this defensive gla- d- d- defensive draft class. Like, that that would be ideal. At least two. Three would be a cherry on top. This is a critical draft for him. And if he doesn't nail it, and if, if this draft class isn't able to contribute, yeah, they, they're going to start having some Brett Veach questions around here. No, absolutely. That draft doesn't look great from last year. It's hard to come out and say that a draft that is one year old is something that's questionable. But at this point in time, you kind of have to think that. There's not a reason yet. There hasn't been a flash of a reason to be super pumped up about it. So kind of backing on what Kent said, this draft at least has to give you, either you have to get something from last year's crop or this year has to show you something early on. Or if you're sitting here as the owner of this team, and especially if you don't get to the Super Bowl, which would alleviate all of this, you just kind of have to be sitting back and thinking, hmm, I don't really know where we're going with this situation right now. The direction this team seems up in the air. So he really needs to just hit something, just anything here, and we'll be good to go. 
Yeah, uh, and not only is it that he needs to nail the draft, he's also got a nail free agency. Andy Reid needed to nail the defensive coordinator hire. They need to nail all the defensive staff. Like There is so much weight on the next two seasons with Patrick Mahomes being cheap still. They have to get it right this offseason. This is the kickoff spot to get them another game or two in the postseason and finish this thing off. Took us 28 minutes to talk about Patrick Mahomes. That's pretty remarkable. Um, the other thing <laughs> I, I do want to add this year, I, I I think some of what Brett Feach has done does deserve some credit too. Like I don't think I think the draft was rough, and I think you know I I did not like the draft at all. I do think he's done a phenomenal job of identifying some guys that have been tremendous value: Damien Williams, Andrew Wiley. Um, Austin Ryder, guys like that. He's done a really good job. But like Jordan Lucas, I mean, you you go and go through the list. Those are all Veach guys, and I really like that, what they've brought. But he needs to maximize what he does with this draft capital this year. It's pretty critical. At D Johnston twenty nine asks Hassan Reddick as a possible Sam trade target. Craig, man, I I do really enjoy Hassan Reddick, but I just don't know how he fits as a Sam. And it's specifically from a run defense standpoint. He's a light guy. He's he's 230 pounds. You know, I talked about Anthony Barr earlier. He he's closer to 260. That's that's a big difference. What he does currently and what he did well in college was kind of a weak side end or weak side linebacker. That's kind of the way that the Cardinals play him now. He's a good pass rusher. He is definitely another one of these jack-of-all-trades guys that can do a lot of things and do them well. I would just worry about putting him on the strong side there and asking him to set a hard edge and sort of funnel things back. I think he's better in space without having to stack and shed, guys. Yeah, Reddick is an interesting guy because coming out, everybody was kind of wondering, do you play him in a position to rush the passer off the edge? Because his tape was phenomenal doing that. And then you look at his size and his athletic testing, and he seems like he'd be a good fit for an off-ball linebacker. So you're debating where you put him, what you want to do, and when you kind of hear how this defense is potentially going to lay out, he sounds like an ideal fit as a strong side linebacker. But then, as Craig said, he's just really light. There's going to be plenty of tight ends in the NFL that are going to be able to bully him, and he's going to he has to beat tight ends one on one to stop the run as a Sam. That's like his main goal on first down is to be able to handle the tight ends one on one. He's got to set the edge, but then he's also got to be able to beat the tight end. He can't just hold the edge and force it to somebody else. His job is to beat that block. I'm not sure you're going to get the consistency out of him doing that at this point in time. But if the price was right and you wanted to take a flyer on it. Remember, the Cardinals were potentially shipping him around last year. Now, this is a different coaching staff. Things are entirely different now. But if you got him for the right price, you could bring him in, see what happens. Worst case scenario, you have him cheap-ish for the next couple of years, then you don't bring him back. But I wouldn't go out of my way to make sure you make that trade for him. Yeah, my biggest concern with that idea was, was the run game. And, you know, the thing, like, I understand the logic, right? Like, I I understand why the question is being posed because he has such a versatile background. He tested really well. Um, you know, Br- Britt Reed, if he's still around, uh, coached Hassan Reddick for a while, too. There's that connection. I think we talked about that earlier this year. So I understand the logic of why you would want to, uh, you know, consider that. But um, there is some question marks about his ability 
uh, in the run game. And I, and I think it's fair, but I, I understand the logic why, why someone would ask that question. At DRolf15 asks, the chan- are there, what are the chances that Veach tries to trade up in the first round of the draft? Well, he traded up for the first two picks of his first draft. He traded up for both uh, Breland Speaks and Derek Naughty. I have a feeling there's a decent chance that Brett Veach is wanting to make a move up into the first, uh, higher up into the first round. I think that's entirely logical. Matty? Yeah, so, sorry, I was looking at the wrong question. This is why I don't get control of the rundown, guys. These, the <laughs> chances that Brett Veach moves up in the draft, I'd say it's pretty high right now. We have enough capital on the first two rounds, or even if you want to throw the third round in there, you can make a move there. I don't, I hope you don't see another move kind of into the middle of the third round. Like, I get it. If a guy's dropping and you want to get him, I'm fully okay with that. But the move up for Breland Speaks where we got him, and that was probably more the player than the move up. But that small kind of move up there in the middle of the second round, and then the move up to get Naughty in the third round, I don't dislike those moves. But if you're going to plan on trading up, I would rather trade up to get a upper tier player in the first round when you're sitting here with two second round pegs. I don't need to move up in the second round right now. I'd rather get that more surefire thing in the first round if that was the goal going in. So it's all about how the board's going to shake down. But again, I'd be looking, you're sitting at 29 right now to get into the 25 to 20 range. I think it's completely realistic. You can do that without giving too much capital later on in the draft and still have plenty of draft picks that can make a difference. That's the way I'm looking. Or you can do my strategy just get rid of every pick after the fourth round, which we don't have one. So all you're going to do is pick in the first two days, trade away every other pick you have to maybe get one more <laughs> late day two pick, and we'll just roll with four draft picks on drafted free agents. I'm, I'm going to say that he's going to stay put. The more and more we, we look at the board, there are some, some guys, and granted, it's silly season right now. I mean, we've got Ed Oliver playing off-ball linebacker today. So, <laughs> uh, you know, take everything for what you will. But there seems to be some big pushes, especially at, like, offensive line, quarterback, that are, that are shooting some guys up the draft board a little bit. I think that the Chiefs can sit at 29 and still be able to get a pretty good talent. There's a lot of defensive talent in this draft. I think we all want to go defense early, especially if there's a really good player at a position of need, which the Chiefs have plenty on that side of the ball. So I think that they're they can stay put and still get a good player this year and then move up in the second to maybe catch another guy. Uh, at LWOS, Mike Wilson asks, if you could move a mountain for one somewhat realistic draft prospect, who would it be? Uh, okay, so I, I think it's basically like a guy that might have a chance to, to be within striking distance of the Chiefs. Uh, maybe call it a trade up. So maybe someone that like maybe just falls out the bottom of the draft, uh, and, or out the front of the draft into the like back half of the draft. You just trade up for him, maybe like to like 18th or something. Let's go with something like that. I'll uh, I'll go with Ed Oliver. Oh, you <laughs> dirty, dirty dog. No, okay. Off Time ball out, linebacker. Timeout, Matthew. Uh, I normally go last on a lot of these questions, so you can just you can just go ahead and deal. With with having your your answer robbed, Ed Oliver, people are getting crazy right now. The defensive lineman from Houston, Ed Oliver. Some people thought he was the consensus 
best player in this draft heading into the season. He is a phenomenal talent, but people are like freaking out because they don't know if he can maintain a weight of 280 pounds. They don't know exactly what to do with him, where to play him. I don't know where he would fit exactly in Kansas City, but just take him and figure it out because that guy is an incredible talent. He's Yes, he's good at football. Take good football players. I don't care if I don't care if you uh, just figure it out. Just figure it out because the guy's a phenomenal <laughs> talent. He's I think he's a top five talent in this draft. It just just find a way to use him. I don't think it's I don't think you're gonna make a mistake taking a great talent like that. I I mean yeah I I would love Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver would make me very very happy. But I'm gonna go with a guy who actually might be. They're kind of in the mid-20s. Byron Murphy, my guy, cornerback out of Washington. He's a little bit smaller than a guy like Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams seems to be going a little bit higher because he's longer, a little more athletic. He definitely has a higher ceiling than Byron Murphy. But Byron Murphy is ready to come in and start and be a number one corner right this very moment. He's very technical. He's very fluid. He's very good at Everything he does at the cornerback position, he's got great ball skills and he can fit in any technique. He's a guy that I would love, love, love for the Chiefs to go out and get. And he seems to be a guy that he got a round two grade by the uh, advisory board, which is baffling to me because, I I mean, he's way up there on my list. Yeah, Byron Murphy. He's, he's this year's J.R. Alexander. Sorry, go, hey, Matty. I'm, I'm here. So since my first and second choice have now been taken, you can see that we talk about the draft together often. So for the point of the question of moving a mountain, I think I was kind of looking at this as trading up into like that 15, 18 range, like moving a mountain to me said we're trading up a long ways. With Murphy gone and Ed Oliver gone, I don't know if there's somebody realistically that I'm planning on moving up that far for. Like if you say... Uh, Bose is falling down there or Quinn and Williams. Obviously I'm jumping up there, but we're, that's not realistic. So I don't, with those two guys gone, I don't know if I'm making that big of a move. So just trading up, let's say into the early twenties, a little bit less of a mountain. We're kind of moving a hill here, but I would do it for Ja'Kai Polite. I know that's not going to fly for everybody. He's a little bit short. He doesn't have the perfect size for an edge in any kind. And even with this new system, he might not have a perfect fit. I don't care. This guy has the most natural pass rushing instincts in his class. That includes Nick Bosa. He is a better, just pure get after the quarterback player. You can put him on the edge, split him out wide, line him up over the tackle. His get off, his flexibility, the ability to just get after the quarterback is insane. For that reason, I do see how people are going to get a little scared of him thinking similar to D Ford. No, he's a lot more polished than D Ford was coming out. More moves, knows how to use them better. There's a lot more to him than that, but he has that same level of just pure ability to sack the quarterback. You'll watch him in college. He's playing in the SEC, so he's not playing against terrible competition. He's getting around offensive tackles that are still practically getting out of their pass sets, and it's not just always because of poor play. He literally just has that good of a get-off off the line. Being a little bit shorter, he always has the leverage advantage. He has the ability to dip under offensive tackles before they even have a chance to get their hands on him. I would trade up for him a few spots. 
Not going to be a guy for everybody because of the shorter arms. I think he's only going to be about 6'2", 250 pounds. But his athleticism, I actually think that you have a chance. You have to see how he looks in drills to play him off the ball a little bit as that Sam, given the size. But your big thing is you're getting him to play for the ability to rush the passer. I think he can stand up tight ends enough to handle that position. But that's kind of a big position change that you would just kind of deal with once you got him and got to see him do that. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating one. And I feel like we're pretty much just going to try to pigeonhole every player into Sam now. Just to think about Like, we talked about Ed Oliver at Sam a while back. Like, today, we were just like, hmm, maybe. Just because, like, I mean, you know, if you can get dynamic over there, that could be fun. Oh, no, I would try um, to play him at Leo would be my first move. I just, I think that at the combine, you might see him take some off-ball linebacker drills because of his size. Like, unlike Brian Burns is another right. small player, but he's got a big frame. Like, people are going to expect him to be able to put on weight. Polite doesn't have that same frame. He's pretty thick, but he's short, so he's still light. Right. He's not getting a lot right. bigger. I think you're going to see him just take a couple reps. And he doesn't look bad in space the few times he's been there. He looks like a good athlete. So if he looks fluid enough just pedaling around, you might consider that. And he would be more of a... Kiwanuka type Sam that you're going to put more with the hand in the dirt rather than take off the field or put him in coverage he's going to do very minimal in coverage but it's just an option if you see him look good at it really I'm just getting him on my team because he's my favorite player in this draft fair enough at master Lamalis asked with Kansas City's first five picks what positions do you think they will pick in this draft new scheme means new draft board so I'm curious to see what you guys are thinking okay let's do this Matt Tell me who the Chiefs will pick positionally in the first round. Go. Oh, Just guess. Without free agency, I'm going to stick to a – I'm going to say pass rusher because I can't – it would be defensive end or Sam linebacker. I don't know what way they're going to go with the Sam right now. So we're getting somebody to rush the passer from the edge, whether stand up or hand in the dirt. Craig, give me a second round prospect – or second round position corner has to go corner they need a guy at corner like you said they got to have a free agent and a rookie come in this year i think uh second rounder is a good spot for that i think there's a sweet spot for the second round uh at corner too okay i'll throw a little curveball here he's gonna say offensive player he's gonna say tight end i'm gonna say tight end (laughs) i'm gonna say tight end you jerks i mean (laughs) i can't have any fun i'll give you the thunder we'll steal your Jalen. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say third. <laughs> steal your Jalen. I'll say third round two. You uh, you'll go. I, I, they might go offensive player in the third round two if a running back or if not, maybe a defensive lineman. It just kind of it just kind of depends on how the board falls. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if three of the first four picks are defense. But you know, like that third round pick, depending on who's there, it could be another offensive player too. At Colpy02 asks, any players the Chiefs could target at 29 who would fit the traditional Sam role in the 4-3 under front if the team does move on from Justin Houston? Um, I gave my answer with Ja'Kai Polite, just yeah. depending on how you see him move. And I, real quick, it's going to make it hard for you guys. I don't think there's a great fit for that particular position from a draft. Mm-hmm. It's just not a position that happens right. in college. If you're playing an overhang in college like they're going to be playing here, you're playing smaller players. You're playing against more like spread offenses. You're getting a safety or a small linebacker that plays the same role pretty much all the time in college. 
it's you're going to get a kind of transitional player if you're taking this into the NFL. You're either getting an edge that's a little too small to be always on the edge, or you're taking an edge player that just didn't work out, or a big linebacker, something like that. So this position doesn't exist in college. Your best bet was Josh Allen. He's going to be gone well before then. So like I said, polite, if he moves well, would be the only guy that I come up with off the top of my head that is the first-round kind of player. Yeah, Matt's Matt's exactly right. We've talked about several guys kind of through the draft. We saw a couple at the Senior Bowl, Ben Benoku, Sutton Smith, guys that they're trying at off-ball linebacker that did play edge, kind of guys that offer just a little bit of pass rushing juice, but they're not going to get drafted high for that sort of thing. So they're trying to play in this sort of hybrid role. We, right. we saw them a little bit. Those guys are not first-round guys. Those guys are late, late in the draft guys. Maybe a guy that you take a chance on and you hope to develop. But, yeah, that, he, he nailed it. Polite and uh, Josh Allen are really the only two guys that I think in the first round really suit that role. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I tend to agree with both of you. I don't think there's a ton of guys there that really make a ton of sense there in that range. Um and day three, or day three, really could be a place that they try to find someone like maybe Ben Banigou if he's around, someone like that, just to see what they got there. Sutton Smith played well; he really did play he well. He did. He looked. He good. was kind of. He's kind of surprising. At Country Boy Five Six Seven asks, "How far will John Elway go to get Drew Locke? I am buying this Elway Drew Lock connection, and I will say this. I'm going to say this real quick. I am coming around on Drew Locke a little bit. I did not like his early tape. I thought he was ungood. I thought he was a fourth-round grade. Uh, I've creeped up on him. I think, you know, the last couple games, I think he finished really strong. Uh, I saw command at all three levels. I saw a little creativity. I saw a little bit of athleticism on the run. I saw, obviously, the arm talent and the fearlessness to put balls where he wants to put them. And I, I, I... I'm kind of coming around on Drew Locke a little bit. I still, I, I don't think I'd bet the farm on him, and I'd still rather you know Denver go and and lock him up and and <laughs> I wasn't even on purpose, but uh, I, I I wouldn't mind if the if Denver kind of unloaded a bunch of their assets to take a risk on him because he still is a risk. But you know I I am coming around on him a little bit. At one lost wizard asks, would you trade Tyreek Hill or Chris Drown Chris Jones for two number one picks? Ooh, so if I get my pick this year, if I get one of them this year, potentially because I think there is the talent to replace them or similar to them if you are high enough enough up in this draft. So if I'm getting a top five pick this year and I can draft Quinnen Williams or Ed Oliver to essentially slide into that slot that I'm trading away Chris Jones, or I can get DK Metcalf or Harmon, to do the exact same thing for Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's a lofty. I get it. It's the chances of them being as good as those guys are not that high. But if I get two first round picks, if I get a draft, a direct replacement from somebody like I just mentioned for them right now, plus pocket another one going forward, I would be quite tempted to let one of them go with that top five draft pick in return, plus another draft pick next year. Yeah, if it's anything below outside of the top fifteen, uh, it's a no for me, especially for Chris Jones. I, I just think that Chris Jones is on his way up. I think the four three under 
when they're playing that in the base, he's going to destroy. He's going to eat out of this defense. I think that this year was is going to be replicated next year, as good as this year was. So I, I think that's a guy that it's very tough to replicate unless, like Matt said, you're getting Quinn and Williams, which I, I would gladly trade for. <laughs> but Tyreek, on the other hand, Tyreek and Pat have a real chemistry here. Tyreek is you know, one of two guys that went for over 1,300 yards. I think he's too important to this offense. I Even though he may not be like the upper, upper, upper echelon of receiver, I still think that he's a guy that you need on this offense to make it work. So I, I don't think that I'd do it, surprisingly. I I don't think I would either. And, I'm you know, I, I love acquiring draft capital. You guys know that. <laughs> But well, there was no top Tyree picks Kill. included, so Kent's out. Yeah, right. I mean, Tyreek Hill, he's a top ten receiver. I don't think he's he's still like he's not upper echelon. Like he's not Odell Beckham or anything. But Pat and Ty together is crazy explosive, and I think that connection's just getting started. I think Tyreek Hill is still an ascending player. I think. There, everybody since Tyreek Hill was drafted has been trying to find Tyreek Hill. And that's why, you know, some guys, like, someone tried to say Isaiah McKenzie was Tyreek Hill a couple years ago. Like, it's just absurd. Tyreek Hill is on a completely different planet. Chris Jones, same thing, ascending player. Yeah, they're both about to get more expensive, but they're both still really young, and they both are definitely still ascending. So those are two guys I probably am not trading uh, either of those guys for two first-round picks, which is crazy that I wouldn't. At N. Bendian asks, do you believe that Brett Veach knew about the 4-3 transition last year? If so, do you think that narrowed the search for the defensive coordinator? Okay, so I've been seeing a lot of this kind of floating around, and part of that's because Breland Speaks fits really well into a into a 4-3 as a strong side defensive end, into a 4-3 under. Uh, Dorian O'Daniel fits well into it as well. But that's it. I I mean, Anthony Hitchens may fit in it. I think he fits better into it than he fits into the 3-4, but he's still going to have to read similar keys. There's only going to be two off-ball, real, truly off-ball linebackers, but he is going to play Sam. That will help him a little bit more. But... I just can't see how you would waste a year basically drafting and acquiring players for a defense that hasn't been transitioned yet. That just doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, the argument can be made that they were gearing up for 2019 for Patrick Mahomes and everything like that, and that Mahomes this year really surprised them, and they really, you know, wanted to. You know, really wanted to put it off another year, and they were just gonna. It was gonna be a two-year build on the defensive side of the ball and make the switch. I just, I just think that NFL GMs aren't playing that sort of long game when their job is on the line. I mean, this defense was awful, and Brett Veach is being criticized a lot for how awful this defense is because he helped build it. So, why would he put himself in that position if? if you know he wasn't going to see results in year one. So I, I don't think that that had anything to do with it. Oh, you guys almost got out of a whole lab podcast without a rant. Now you're getting one. 
Oh no! This Maddie, is have, the most ninety seconds. You have okay. ninety seconds. This is one of the most ridiculous <laughs> things going around right now. A team did not go into a draft knowing for sure that they were going to fail miserably on one side of the ball, so miserably that they were going to have to remove the entire (laughs) coaching staff that coaches that style of defense and replace it with a very specific 4-3 under or over defense the following year. It... I understand how it makes sense, like Craig said. There looks to be better fits for this 4-3. But in no way, shape, or form did the team just say, ah, heck with it, this year the defense is going to be bad, let's start preparing for once they fail. That's not how the NFL is going to work, and people's jobs are on the line. Why would Bob Sutton saddle up for this? He knows very well how these guys are fitting into his defense when they're coming in. You can't give somebody a player and say, oh, yeah, you know, I know he doesn't understand, you know, what you're doing here or work with you, but we're just preparing for the next year. You can't sell that to your team, to your coaches. And guys in the NFL, as people joke around, they might be stupid with some usage or the way they grade prospects coming to the draft. People in the NFL really aren't dumb. They're quite intelligent people. They'll understand if you were trying to push them out ahead of time, and it just simply doesn't work. Beyond that, there was no guarantee the Chiefs were going to get a defensive coordinator that wanted to run a 4-3. People wanted to say that Todd Bowles was a guy that we were waiting for, and he just got snabbed up before we could get him. Okay, he doesn't run a 4-3. So we bring him in after drafting for a 4-3, or was he not an option either? It just makes no sense to be working ahead ahead like that, no matter how much it seems like guys fit better. They drafted players they liked. They had a vision for them. The vision isn't as clear to fans who see it from a completely different viewpoint. That's okay. It happens. You hope it doesn't continue to happen. But in no way, shape, or form was the team drafting for an entirely different defense, coaching staff, personnel grouping, or anything like that the previous year. Yeah, there's no chance that that was happening. And, I mean, Bob Sutton would have been a lame duck coordinator. and Some would argue he was. (laughs) Right. Andy Andy went out of his way to defend him. They talked about, you know, there was passive blame of the personnel the entire off season, they're retooling to give Bob Sutton what he needs to succeed. Well, that didn't work. And now they're moving on. Now they are making the decision to go to Steve Spagnolo, go to a 4-3 under. Some of the personnel that they selected absolutely makes more sense, but I think that's more coincidence. I think that is, frankly, a miscalculation of a player's capabilities. They thought Brilliant Speaks could be an edge. And he cannot play as a stand-up edge. It's just, it's no, it, it it can't happen. It won't happen, and it never will happen. And it will, it would have, ne- it wasn't going to succeed. Even if Breland Speaks lost 15 pounds this offseason, it wasn't going to work. Um, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week, and hopefully, nothing too crazy happens before then. Thanks. Bye. But seriously, Anthony Barr.